Hello and welcome back to Brace. On today's episode, Tommy and I are going to be discussing some of the most influential TV shows in our estimation. This is more of uh, the format, if you remember last year when we did a comedy episode and conspiracy theories, we just want to have a, a conversation about some of the more influential TV shows to us that might have changed our perspective on things or taught us something or uh, that we had really cool takeaways from. So uh, Tom, I think we both have a, a couple to go through here, but Tommy, I want to kick it over to you because I think you have some that I have never watched, so I want to learn more about them. What would be, let's say, the third most? We'll, we'll leave the, the, the best for, for last or, or fourth most, whichever. Well, I want to preface that I feel every TV show I watch, I'm changed in a way through. Every single one. I'm, I'm highly suggestible, so I can see a lot of the good and the bad and say, okay, I should start doing that or I should not be doing that. And I put myself in those characters' situations, so every time I'm, I'm kind of, and the same goes for reading, I'm putting myself into those characters' positions. What are they thinking? What are they going through? So when it comes to maybe the third most influential or life-changing TV show. I'm really talking about what's what's been recent for me. So sure. I, if I went back and looked through my 24 years of life, this order might be different. But I would say that Beef, the new TV show on Netflix, was very thought-provoking. And the reason for that is you see a depressed individual trying to start a business. He keeps failing. His business isn't doing well. And as he's pulling out of a store, this woman speeds by and beeps, lays down on the horn, a road rage incident. And he's like, what the heck is going on? And then she flicks him off. And he just, he chases her essentially through the neighborhood and gets her license plate at the end of it because he loses her. And he starts messing with her and she starts messing with him and they've got a beef between them. Mm, but, okay. but you find out that this woman who had this road rage incident, she doesn't really like her life either. She's very successful. She's about to sell her business for millions of dollars. Yet she doesn't feel great about what's going on. And so you see a lot of hate begetting hate. And also this idea that these two people are depressed and maybe if they just talk to one another, they would understand one another, but it always comes back to, I got to be the top dog or I don't want this person to get one over on me. And it just is this wild chaotic stream of if I kept making the worst decision, <laughs> where would this lead? Interesting. So I don't want to spoil anything and I haven't, I haven't watched this. So I, I asked this question innocently at the end of the first of all, is it a one season show? Is there a chance that it'll continue? I don't really see it continuing after this. Do, Maybe does, does someone at the end of the show hit some sort of rock bottom that is pretty final? <laughs> There's rock bottoms all throughout. I oh mean, man. <laughs> I mean, if, if that's the case, it's, it's not if, rock bottom, right? It's just it's as if bottom. they're going further and further into the depths of mis misery. Oh man. And this was, Oh, that sounds like, for me, that seems like such a miserable show, I, you know? Well, I found it relatable when I go through those difficult times when it's just 
I hate everything or don't care about this or that. And you just see that other people are going through this same sort of feeling, like asking the questions, why am I here? Or why do I think this? Or why does that make me so angry? Why do I hate this person so much? So you could just really empathize with the some of the struggles that they were going through kind of internally. Yeah, because it's a really introspective show where you're seeing not only what's going on now, but you get to look back at these crucial points in their life when a parent did something or a friend did something that is kind of like an encoded line in their head. And it's something that makes them who they are today, which is not a good person necessarily, but you can understand why they act the way they do. And I think especially, and this is spoiler alert at the end of the first episode, Uh that main character who's, you know, pulling out and then gets honked at, he was trying to return grills, hibachi grills to the store. And the guy asked him, you know, where's the receipt? You know, you've returned these four times before. Is there something wrong with the product? And he can't find the receipt and ends up having to put the grills back in his car. At the end of the episode, you see him try to commit suicide again with these grills by turning them on, having the carbon monoxide detector right there. All he wanted to do was get rid of the thing he wanted to kill himself with. And yet it turns into a road rage incident because he didn't have the receipt and he finds the receipt in the trash. <laughs> so it's it's literally a horrible rock bottom for this individual who just tries to do the right thing, tries to do the right thing, and just keeps getting beaten down further and further and further. And he can't even gather the courage to kill himself. Goodness gracious. I That is... Uh tough start to a show if that's episode one how many episodes is it just curious 10 episodes about uh 45 minutes each okay well i will let you know if i watch that show i'm not going to commit to doing it right now but uh definitely amazing that you got so much out of it especially for for me one season shows are are harder to do that although i do have two of them on my list of ones we can talk about but that's interesting i have heard some things about beef so I, i may at least watch the first episode and give it a chance i mean i think it's very well acted and the writing's great and i just i see some resonance right and i don't think i'm that dark or go to those sometimes you think about some horrible heinous things and To see other people going through it, I don't know if that makes it better in a sense, but it makes you feel like you're not the only one who's questioning why. Sure. Okay. Yeah, I I think it. I've at least just for me and not trying to be holier than thou or anybody, but like I I think that I I haven't really been in that place where I've been questioning why so much. I've I've felt pretty good about (laughs) the purpose. And, you know, the only thing I'm questioning why is why I'm still stuck in this dang hotel. But other than that, (laughs) uh, things have been going pretty well. So I I, I don't like I don't know that watching that show would bring benefit to my life is my point is like, will that just make me like question things that I'm not questioning that I don't need to right now? (laughs) Possibly when we had Jan on. And we talked about, you know, both looking at the good and the bad. I think this is an example of here's a ton of something to run away from. Yeah. People making mistakes and you can learn from that through counterexample. It's fair. Cool. Well, I'm, I'm glad you like that one.
So that was my third most influential TV show in the in the near past or recent past. What is your third most? There's probably, yeah, I, I have four here and I'm not sure how to order them. I think I know what number one is, but the rest are kind of equal. So I'm just going to talk about one that I th- know that you've watched as well so we can have a dialogue. Uh, Breaking Bad was uh, a, an awesome TV show and I actually haven't watched Better Call Saul, which is the spinoff prequel that I know I need to. You can give me that face all you want. Better Call Saul is on my list, so... It is no way. Oh my gosh, that's amazing that we we both have that. Breaking Bad is, in my estimation, the best anti-hero show that I've ever watched. Watching a man go from a mild-mannered suburban father, chemistry teacher, and then facing his own mortality and watching him transform into a full-blown monster over the course of five seasons is one of the best depictions of a transformation in character that I've ever seen. Um, and throughout, there are some very iconic moments in that show, especially when he says, I am the danger. Like there are so many moments where I am the one who knocks. I am the one who knocks. Exactly. Who do you think it is that is standing here in front of you? Yeah, it's it's pretty, pretty incredible how he goes again from someone that wakes up and has the orange juice and coffee in the morning, sitting there with his family to doing things to people that, really are unimaginable that make you want to turn away from the screen Uh, and doing it all in the name of, according to him, he needs to provide for his family even when he's going to die. So he needs to make some money. So he's going to go cook meth because he's a chemistry teacher. He knows how to do it really well. And then over the course of time, again, we're going to have to spoiler alert all of the shows, unfortunately, but he ends up atop a huge meth empire. And another quote that's pretty amazing is if I don't show up for work in a company that could be listed on the nasdaq goes belly up like the amount of meth that he's cooking is enough that the empire uh, it could be a top 500 company in the in the world like it's insane so it, it is uh and it's just such a fun show throughout um and i saw a comparison where jesse who is a former student of the main characters who was cooking meth already when he decided to to get into it. He is basically the Jesus figure that suffers for his evil father, who is is Walt. Uh, and so when you when you see all of Walt's transgressions, it is always Jesse who has to pay for those sins. And throughout, you see him become more and more tortured. And there are some huge losses that Jesse suffers that totally transforms him and degrades his character and like i said just it is such a a a perfectly drawn anti-hero script do you agree with what i'm saying there yeah i actually in i believe it was 10th grade i wrote a paper on breaking bad wow you were not allowed to watch it at that point (laughs) legally rated r is 17 rated m (laughs) sorry go ahead i remember an entire summer i think it was like malcolm in the middle and breaking bad i just binged I, that, I binged the actor. entire big fan of at the time, huh? The dad and in, in Malcolm in oh, the middle yeah, yeah, is, yeah. is Wilt. Yeah, <laughs> that's funny. Walt. It's a great story of transformation and really like being corrupted. It doesn't matter the path you take. It's all about the end goal in his eyes. Right. But where we talk about doing the right thing and trying to take the noble path. And maybe you don't always get the fruits of that labor, 
but when you when you specifically are only after the fruit that money making or that passion that that power that control being in charge having people sent to their deaths that's what he was looking for and yep. he says it outright i did it for me and that's like the true narcissist comes out but there's also a little bit of redemption there where you know he put jesse through hell and yet he goes and he saves him he could just run away but now he's like trying to right his wrongs and i don't know that you can really right those wrongs but he wants to save his son-like figure well and jesse i think at that point wants to die and that's why walt refuses to allow him to in mm. in some sense it's it's brutal so but really for me it like you said you can understand at the beginning why he's making the first couple of decisions he makes. But as you go, he gets more and more and more warped. The ends never justify the means. That is why you have to make the right decision in the moment all the time. Uh, and, and I think that that is a, a it's a beautiful story in just showing how someone can become corrupted if they allow those little changes, mistakes. little mistakes. Uh, yeah, little compromises. Well, I don't want to get too theological, but in our conversations where we've discussed every time you make a, you know, wrong or sinful decision, a little piece of you is gone. A little piece of that soul is gone. Mm -hmm. So you're, you're seeing an entire soul be ripped away yeah, and, and just pure evil at the end. Right. And when at the beginning, like I said, he claims to be doing all this for his family and through his actions, he absolutely demolishes his family over the course of the show. And that's that'll do it. That, that'll show you the right he, way to do things. He doesn't kill his family, but he puts them in hell. It's more torture than death. 100 percent. Yep. Yeah. So that was I mean, I'm glad that that's a show. I don't think many of your shows are going to be able to talk about. I did watch the first show, the first episode of Better Call Saul. So do you want to since, since that's uh, on your list, do you want to talk about that next? Yeah. So Saul Goodman or I'm trying to remember his name. It's Jimmy. Yeah. I don't remember Jimmy something. Yeah. Clawson? Jimmy Clawson. No, just no. Uh, quarterback, I think, for Notre Dame. People are going to hate me, but not. I don't know. Doesn't matter. Anyways, he is not Saul Goodman yet. Saul Goodman is this face that he puts on, and he becomes this this lawyer for Walt and Jesse, who kind of leads them into further evil and corruption and building the empire and making it bigger. And you get to see his backstory and how he came to be who he was. And you see both good and bad and evil and I'm trying to remember how someone put it, but it's it's kind of this story of can someone who isn't great redeem themselves? I think it's a more of a redemption story for Saul Goodman than like a story of someone turning to evil. Huh. That's that's curious because I I mean, I don't know a lot about the show, but he ends up being the criminal lawyer that we know in Breaking Bad. So I wouldn't assume that it's a redemptive story if he goes from like the first episode, he's a public defender and he's defending three teenagers of, from doing absolutely horrendous things uh, and then doesn't get as much money as he thought he was because he thought he was defending three different cases. He's only defending one. So then it seemed like my guess was he then over time out of desperation turns to a life of crime. So that to me wasn't a redemptive story. <laughs> He he's always been Saul Goodman. He's always been the con man. 
And so you see why he became an even bigger con man, but you also see more. Let me gotcha. just say, I don't want to, okay. no spoiler alert. Well, should we, should we give like ratings to these shows that we're, we're getting out of 10 or something? I just, just am, an idea. We don't I'm have the to. worst with ratings. I'm the worst. I always right, never give mind. it too high. And then you're like, well, there's never been a better TV show. And then well, yeah, don't <laughs> give all of them tens. Like that's a pretty but basic I, idea. Part of my personality is that I think everything's like a 10. I know that's dumb, but everything, if it I just can doesn't make sense. Unless I'm really enjoying. Most so of what them. was better to you? Breaking Bad or Better Call Saul? Oh, they're different. Yes, they they're, are. They're, but one is better than the other. Probably they're tens in different ways. You, you see what no, I mean? I don't be, put them on the same scale. That's the point. You're comparing apples to oranges. No, I'm I get there's still two TV fruits. shows literally in the same universe. Two TV shows. I like them for different reasons. That's fine. Which one do you like more? I don't want to put an answer to that. Okay, fine. You're the most <laughs> frustrating person I've ever known. No, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> do you want to okay. go? I have... Okay. What? Wait, I've gone two. Yep. So now it's my turn yep. to yeah, give yeah, a yeah. second one. Yep. Now I have two World War II era shows and one Cold War era. Which one do you want to go with? Ooh, let's save the Cold War era for number three. Okay, so the World War II, I'm going to go with Band of Brothers first. Band of Brothers is an HBO miniseries. It's like a docu-series about Easy Company. And it goes from training camp in episode one through all of World War II. And these people, this, this company was a part of the whole invasion of Europe all the way through the sacking of Berlin, basically. And... They were on the front lines and had special missions throughout. And so you see from episode one through episode 10 how these characters transform. And one of the parts that uh, sticks out to me the most is uh, very early on, one of the guys gets shot in the butt and he goes back to England to get patched up. And then he gets sent back, you know, whatever it is, a month and a half later. And how much the guys that were together for that whole month and a half had coalesced and been through hell together meant that this guy that did training camp with them was almost not a part of the group when he got there because it was just like, man, you, you haven't seen anything like you're so lucky that you went back to England and you haven't seen the blood and the terror and the cold long nights where we thought we were all going to die together. And it's, it's such a good show. And there are battlefield I forget the word for that, uh, going up in rank. There, there are people having to take over command during battle because their superiors are killed. And that the, the thrust of that responsibility being on you, you see why the military has such stringent and cohesive training because you just have to be prepared to have that chain of command change and adapt and move. Um, but it, it is one of the more powerful. It's it's hard for me not to cry watching that. And and I'm a big like we talked about in another recent episode, big fan of World War Two history. Um, but just, again, trying to put yourself in the shoes of these boys that are my age going out and being on the edge of death every single night and, and not thinking they're going to go home every single night is uh, it's it's very powerful. Have you watched it? I have not seen it. So worth it, man. They're hour-long episodes on HBO, but I, I would say just watch the first one. First of all, another you know side little note. I think it came out in 2001 or something like that. There are probably 15 actors you'll recognize in it. Wow. 
There's really? a lot. Yeah, Jimmy Kim, uh, Jimmy Fallon is in it hilariously. No Ross from Friends, one of the Wahlbergs. What's the guy's name? Tom Hardy's in it. Like oh. there's there's a lot of of actors. Wow. Here so it's it's fun. I've actually got. It's not necessarily the same, but the thematically, how a group of people can come together, you know, through trials and tribulations, and become something more than individuals right they are a band of brothers literally going through those horrors and also being able to sit back and at least we've got each other right like even in even in the darkest most heinous environments one quick side note before we we get to what show you're referring to band of brothers also throughout has interviews with the actual men that were in easy oh wow company. so like it is a docu-series wow uh and it, it's so seeing these guys that are very old at this point in 2000 2001 when they were recording tear up at the memory and just talk about how afraid they were in these certain moments and, and just relaying those emotions and and realizing that these guys live through the stuff that we're watching on a screen that feels so otherworldly just goes i mean they call that the greatest generation and the fact that they got through world war ii i feel like attests to that Um, well i was gonna just say on that i've heard that some of ptsd is that loss of that group yeah not not even like if you really did lose them but just not having that brotherhood not having the brotherhood not having the people who literally know you at your worst and at your best well, and that would die for you, right? Like the, yeah. those people that in the moment are ma- going to make the decision that saves your life or that sacrifices themselves for you to then go and like, you know, stand in line at a grocery store and like just do those mundane parts of life. It just after you've lived with a certain level of intensity with a, a group of people that you care about, with you know, with your whole being, then like, I don't know how you couldn't feel disconnected from humanity in some way when you come back it's almost like you've widened your spectrum your highs are probably so much higher when you go on a mission you come back and everybody lived that idea of just being able to to sit around and be like oh my gosh what did we just do and realizing you're still there and then also the lows of losing someone that important to you losing a brother and not being able to do anything like that sar- like you're just that band or that spectrum has just been widened whereas like real life is like maybe a 4 through 6 you know what i mean like you think you're you know highest of highs i don't think you can have that sort of high of literally bringing everyone home and being able to laugh and smile compared to what we go through now and i feel i just mentioned it earlier on but i almost think sometimes life is too easy and so when you put yourself in that in those horrible environments it's it's almost like life can be more fulfilling just because you're lucky to have it you're you're happy and appreciative to be there because you know the guy next door isn't he didn't make it back it's one way to put it i agree but what you you mentioned one of your shows is about coalescing into a brotherhood of some type what show is that it's not as high as stakes, but it's called Community. Okay. And it's about, <laughs> but it's about this group of students and they're all slightly different. 
You've got Donald Glover. You've got uh, I can't think of her name. Well, you got you got Chevy Chase. Uh, oh, wow. You've got gosh, I I can't remember everybody's name, but you have this diverse group of weirdos that all form a study group to learn Spanish, but they come together as literally a community, right? It's at a community college, but, and maybe it's not that much deeper of a meaning, but I didn't realize it until my recent watch. It's a community, right? It's not just a community college. You could put this setting anywhere, but it's almost that double entendre. They are the community, right? Yep. And, and the little adventures they go on, the arguments they get in, they all like create this family out of just taking classes in order to, you know, move on with life. It's the stakes aren't very high, but they come to know each other better than they know anybody else, probably better than they know themselves. <laughs> and it's a fun, entertaining, meta sort of TV show. There's like the one character, Abed, who he always makes every episode. He's like, oh, this is we're doing a bottle episode. And just he's like speaking as if they're on a TV show and everybody else is like, we're not on a TV show. And he's like, well, maybe we are <laughs> a little bit fourth wall breaking. OK, I see you in a sense. But it was written by uh, Dan Harmon, who writes uh, Rick Everything. and Morty. Oh, OK, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so there's always that, you know, if you've ever seen a video about Dan Harmon's like hero's journey. Yeah. Eight steps for. a Yeah. Right. There's conflict. You know, this happens, this happens, this happens. They end up at the same place at the end with like s small menial changes that, you know, are kind of in a non-serialized or I guess in an episodic type TV show where you can turn on any episode. You don't need to know the context before. It makes it entertaining, engaging. You do get to slightly see how characters change if you watch it in a row. But also you can pick up any episode and just enjoy the the silliness of each character and they're all going on their different like plots through, through an episode. And is it, are they 22 minute episodes? Yeah. Just 22 minute episodes. Okay. Very digestible and fun. How many seasons? Uh, six seasons and a movie. That's what Abed says. Um, I don't think there's a movie. But... <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I recently, this is a, a total aside, but in the, the scream Four movie just came out recently. They're pretty, hilarious in there because they realize that they're in a series and like that means that certain people are going to be like the possible bad guys and so they like lay it out at one point in the middle of the movie and it's really fun <laughs> so but that's cool okay community i have not watched any of those i like childish gambino though so i might have to give it a a, a listen to or a watch to see um it's, and it's maybe Chase is hilarious too it's maybe not as profound as band of brothers but I don't know. You still get to see a group form and come together and go through little trials and tribulations. I feel like I went with the real profound shows and you went with the like real. I enjoyed these shows and that's totally fine. We can have different opinions on it. But you got beef. Be I mean, like, is that profound? I guess it might be profound. Okay. I think I'm it's not, kind of I'm profound. Not, I'm not passing judgment. That's fair. That's fair. The other World War Two show that I have is called The Man in the High Castle. It's on Amazon Prime. Uh, and this it's it's a little bit interesting and, I, and there will be spoilers, but there is this. It's an alternative history where the Germans in World War Two developed the atomic bomb first, uh, so they dropped it on Washington, D.C., 
and the U.S. lost the war. And so the U.S. is split up into three sections where most of the East Coast and Midwest, like all the way to, you know, Iowa or whatever, is part of the Third Reich, the greater Third Reich. And then there's a little bit of a neutral zone. And then the West Coast states are the greater Japanese empire. So it's split up. And we follow, and this is 10 years after the war, so 1955 or something, uh, and we're following some Americans that are living both under German control and then some that are under Japanese control and how they're interacting with life. And there's this, um, there are these tapes going around that both the Japanese and the Germans are trying to take care of. Um, and there's this idea that we you have to get them to the man in the high castle. And we don't really know who that is until like the third season. So it's a four season show. It is very fun. And, and it's dealing with geopolitics in a false history, which is like kind of hard to think about. But it's so much fun and interesting and, and scary uh, because we don't understand the balance of power outside of the U.S. being dominant. So recognizing that the U.S. has been for all of its proxy wars and whatnot fairly stable at least from a from a u.s citizen's perspective uh imagine where that wasn't the case where the germans won the war and all of the chaos that would that would uh come from that so it's a it's a really fun show you become a fan of certain characters and again just because the japanese are the theoretical bad guys and the germans are the theoretical bad guys they're still humans that make up those hierarchies so you still have your japanese favorite characters you have your american favorite characters and you have your german favorite characters and then how they change over the seasons is incredible to watch because there's uh, specifically there is a smart American guy who became a part of the German hegemony. He was he was an American military guy. But then when the Germans won, he kind of became part of the German military. And then he rises in the ranks to basically control that section of the German North America. And then, almost like a Operation Paperclip. That that we did, where we brought over German scientists, and one of them was in charge of NASA. So it's the victors really do write the history because there were people in the Nazi Party that made it we, into America. Yeah, that made it into America and succeeded in America, and in, we put them in those positions to succeed in a scientific community. Absolutely, yeah. So, but I would I would very much suggest it. Uh, I have multiple members of my family that like can't handle Nazis. Anything that Nazis are a part of, they're like, I've, it gives me nightmares. Like, I'm not going to watch it. As long as that's not you, give it a watch. There are some parts that are, it's like confusing and weird, but it makes sense at the end. And it's actually, a, it's a really cool, the, the show finishes up really well. So if you can make it to the end, it's awesome. Highly suggest that. Do you have two more shows? No, just I've one got, more? I've just got one more. Okay, as do I. So you go ahead and then I'll finish us, us off. So I wanted you to hold off on the Cold War one. Yeah. Uh, this is going on around the same time. And I feel like I can draw some parallels. I can't think of them exactly. But I was going to say Narcos. Okay. There's two shows. There's Narcos and then there's Narcos Mexico. But you see how an individual with the means to lead charismatic, essentially a sociopath, can build an empire. You get to see Pablo Escobar and his cocaine company, right? It's a company in all but legality because it's truly an organization where you have a hierarchy and there's someone at the top making the big decisions. And you also see how some cartels, some 
narco businesses are more business-like and some are more, I guess, less business-like. More killing people, more, I'm going to make this happen. More gang-like. More gang-like. But in a sense, you can see how it's kind of the entrepreneurial spirit. It's kind of like, I want, (laughs) people want this product and I'm going to get it to them and I'm going to become super, super duper rich because of it. But also, I have to kill people in my organization so that they don't go and tattle on me. And I I wouldn't say it's like empathize because I don't think I would ever be put in that situation, but I can sympathize with some of these people that lived very difficult lives in the middle of jungles and found a way where they could be successful. It's maybe not a good path, but it's a path to success. It's kind of similar to Breaking Bad in a way where you're losing yourself on this journey to power and control. You're losing the reason why you did it, right? And that was maybe to provide for your family or to make a better life for them. And in turn, you know, it's the old adage, power corrupts and absolute power corrupts absolutely. As you become stronger and smarter and in more control, you realize you can just kill people to to get your way. And a lot of humans wouldn't make that decision until they got to that level of power, I think. Mm, yeah. I don't know if this is true, but about the only thing I know about Pablo Escobar, I, I have not watched the show Narcos, but I heard that during the height of his reign, he was spending $4,000 a month on rubber bands just for his money. And I don't know if that's true or not. Like I said, I don't know. I mean, what is a, a rubber band cost? He's probably getting the industrial kind that's not going to be, you know, breaking easily. But I was amazed by that. And uh, it goes to show how crazy things can be uh, when you when you have that kind of power and, and you're you're getting that kind of money. It's like, you know, you also see corruption at its highest form where people that you think are on the good side. Well, if I can get paid and I just let this slide. Like, you see how corruption corrupts other things. And, I mean, he was, at his time, maybe the richest person in the world, Pablo Escobar. I think they talk about that. Where he had so much money, he was just, like, hiding it places. There was nothing you could do with it. It was an insane amount of wealth and an insane amount of control. And, uh, I mean, it's... It's also like a sad story of how he loses it all. Absolutely. It's... Well, and when you when you're the richest person in the world, but you have no peace, like he can't have peace because he's always worried about the person right below him in the hierarchy knocking him off and trying to take over the empire. So there's something always about the drug lords and the warlords and the whoever where no matter how much power, no matter how much money they get, you can't have peace when you're on top of that type of empire. It's almost like you can't trust anybody. 100%. Because if everybody sees that you were able to do it, they might start thinking they can do it or they can do it better. And with a little money in the right pockets, I mean, assassination attempts, police chasings, all this wild stuff. And I mean, just friends left and right being killed. It's it's a wild show. It's more entertainment, but it's also that, that piece of history. Right. And as we just did our uh, our recent history book review, Getting Right with Lincoln, it just makes you look back in time and wow, this stuff, people got away with this stuff. And the U.S. government maybe helped them get away with this stuff. 
Well, and speaking of governments and corruption, kind of a, a pretty good segue into my final show, which I think if I could only suggest one show on a historical event, I would be pushing people towards this show. It's only six episodes. Um, they're longer episodes, an hour, 20 minutes, something like that. But HBO's miniseries on Chernobyl is... Uh, I've binged the whole thing like three times. It's so good and so powerful and is so recent. This happened in 1986. Uh, and the fact that, you know, I was born in 95, so it's about a decade before I was born. Recognizing that the Cold War could have ended humanity, like the the nuclear powers that were there. And Mikhail Gorbachev, the the leader of the Soviet Union at the time, later on said that Chernobyl was really the the beginning of the end of the the Soviet Empire. It's because they fell apart under the weight of their own lies, which is uh, it. The cinematography in this show is impressive and powerful, and it it starts us off two years after the incident when we watch a, a guy that looks like he's old and maybe cancerous of some sort recording a videotape telling us what is the cost of lies? Uh, and then goes into some detail about some different characters, smokes a cigarette, puts out some food for his cats, and then hangs himself. And so that kicks off the show in a very dramatic, kind of gut-wrenching way. And then we go two years earlier, and we get to watch from a, a lady who is pregnant's perspective how a nuclear reactor in her town blew up. And so I, I think the the show is so good because it's very character driven. You get to be in the shoes of the characters. And it's also, like I said, very cinematically pleasing. There are there are some impressive moments. For instance, I think it's also in the first episode where a firefighter looks at something he's about to have to walk into. And, and we see a close up of his face and then it flashes to his wife at home and then it flashes back to his face. And then he has to walk into this area and you just you can feel yourself being in that moment where he thinks about his wife and goes, oh, my gosh, I promised that this was going to be OK. And then walks forward into what he knows is not going to be OK. And really, the show is a beautiful expose of the dangers of socialism and that ideology where uh, if the party is always right and whatever the party decides has to go. And the people just have to keep their minds in their labors no matter what. You can create a, a pretty easily a, a type of hell on earth. Um, and I know you've watched this show as well, Tommy. So what were, I mean, if you have any insights onto it too, uh, that those are mine. The big relationship that I saw was to both the book Outliers, where it talks about, I believe, that North Korean plane. That Japanese. Japanese or, yeah, what, there was some, culture where you weren't supposed to question up right what your boss said goes there is no but or why you know it's either you do this or i shoot you in the head and that's clear and present in chernobyl and people can't can't tell them you know the experts that they get aren't given the power to make the best decisions because they're told fix this and it's like you don't understand and you can't even question that, right? So when a society goes so, like you said, socialistic, where the rule is law or your, what your boss says is law, you can't solve problems, right? There's miscommunication. It's the same thing in extreme ownership. 
where you have to be able to lead up. You have to be able to question. And, and when you get to that level of society where you can't question up, there's going to be problems. If you don't give the power to the people doing the work to like make the changes, give them the tools to succeed, they won't be able to succeed. Totalitarianism and the dangers of it are on full display in the, in the show. And there are some really powerful moments where uh, basically the local government in the area where this disaster happened chooses not to evacuate anyone. And then a couple of days later, Western media outside of the Soviet Union realizes what happened and is getting radiation levels from this disaster. And they say, look, in West Germany, they aren't letting the children play outside. And they look over at the teenagers walking home from school in this city where it happened. And so then after the proof of the lies is shown to the rest of the world, then they have to accept them. And then they say, OK, we need to evacuate this area. And they they tell everyone they're going to be able to come back home. And so they, they come in and just pick everybody up and bus everyone out of the town. And it's a ghost town to this day from that moment. So, yeah, the the idea of the inability to, to lead up is a really important one. And not only that, but people are afraid to say anything, not just like I mean, it, it's kind of normal in an organization, say, in America or whatever, where if you're a new hire, you just kind of try to figure out how things go first. And then you might learn how to how to lead up in some way or, or push back against bad processes. Whereas there, all you're trying to do is survive and move up the chain, get more power, get more comfort, all those things. And so there is an incentive to push the buck off to someone else. And we see that throughout as well, where nobody is willing to obviously, I mean, this is a huge disaster, but nobody's willing to take any responsibility for it. They say, well, this was this was this guy's fault. Well, this was this guy's fault. Well, you know, this this was the guy that pushed the button type of thing. No one's willing to take ownership because ownership means death. Yep. A, a mistake to that scale, you have to push onto someone else sure. at, or at least that's what it is. Shown. That's what. Well, and that that's the environment that that type of governing creates. It's also it, it shows in very brief moments the totality of the control that a totalitarian government gets to have over its populace. So there's some specific moments like when there's a mining company out in the middle of nowhere and the secretary of mining comes out and says, you guys all have to go to Chernobyl and, and do this work. Um, and they have no say in the matter. They absolutely have to do that. The government's telling them to. And that's how all of society is built over there. And another one is the government basically realizes they need about a million men to come and do some work in this area. And so there's just a high school gym and it shows all the, the boys lining up and they're, you know, getting their assignments basically for what they have to go do. And, and one of them is animal control. And we just get to watch his whole story. So. It's very emotionally draining, the show. I usually find a, a, a reason to cry at some point when I'm watching it. And uh, the women that I've gotten to watch it have usually all cried in episode four. But it is 100% worth it. And again, if, if there's one show on history that you should watch, that's a, it's an easy watch. It's six episodes. Um, it's definitely that one. It, it wasn't on my list, but that's because I knew it was going to be on yours. So it, it's, it's definitely one of the best TV series. It's a, it's a seven hour movie. I mean, maybe yep. close to eight just because of 
an hour 20. It's a movie. And you literally get to see these characters. Some of them have to make insane sacrifices. One, because they know they'll be shot in the head otherwise. Uh, but also some of them do it willingly. And know that if they don't fix a problem, then even more people will die. So it's both sacrifice. It's being forced into these horrible situations. It's this level of totalitarianism where you don't want to be the one at the bottom of the fault. Because if you are, it it certainly means death in probably a horrible, brutal way to, to show others don't make a mistake. And, and it, But it also shows the power of the individual human spirit of how people do the right thing in order to do what they can for those around them at times. There are a number of nurses that kind of figure out what's going on and do what they need to do to help these firemen that are dying in a very incredibly painful way, even though the nurse is realizing they're, they're poisoning themselves by doing it as well. And similar to Band of Brothers, there is actual footage shown of these things that then inspired the, the film. And it is, again, to me, just so powerful to see. And also at the end, they kind of give the official statements that still are held by the USSR and Russia to this day. And, you know, the official death, death count unchanged since 1987 is is 43 even though there's undoubtedly tens of thousands of people that died and hundreds of thousands of birth defects and and cancer rate changes and all these things that that made people uh die so so on uh on both narcos chernobyl and band of brothers they all have at least if if i'm getting it correct it like real i think there's probably a level of dramatization that comes with anything that's being put on a TV show. But there's also like the real footage and the real heinous images. I know in Narcos, you, you get to see like images of bombs going off or images of just like hundreds of people that were shot and killed because of gang related wars or drug related wars. Horrific. It's wild. And then just to remember that, you know, this was a few decades ago. This was, I mean, Band of Brothers, maybe about a 80 years ago. Narcos, a, around the same time as Chernobyl. I mean, just the 70s, 80s. Yep. It's not that far away. And also, I think we have this idea that it's not going to happen here. Right? Or something like this can't happen here. But... Maybe it's happened we... everywhere all throughout history. So that's delusional on our part. And but we live in a pretty delusional society, so that makes sense. But it's good to it's good to look back on these things, at least just to know where certain ideologies or where certain things can go, right? Where they can can lead to. Yep. And and do our part to make sure they we stay in the light, do not go towards the darkness. So So uh, after after you watch Chernobyl. Go watch a couple episodes of Community. You'll be able to sleep after that. Okay? Right. So it's... <laughs> That's and actually, I I'm, didn't I didn't plan on bringing up this show, but just a, a little aside, we don't have to talk about it too long. You said it's like one long movie. There's a, a show that's I, last time I had Netflix, it was still on Netflix. That it feels like each episode is a full movie. It's so much fun, Sherlock. Um, oh, okay. The, it's a very cool. It's a BBC show, but it's on Netflix, and like the each episode is like 
an hour 40. Like, it's crazy. But there's only like six total episodes or whatever. I don't remember how many, but it's a lot of fun. And it's uh, Benedict Cumberbatch. And I don't remember the actor's name that plays Watson, but he's uh, well known. He's Bilbo in in The uh, Hobbit. Yeah. Yeah. And he's Um, also the agent in Black Panther 1 and 2. Martin Lawrence? No, No. that's a black actor. Good try, though. Something Martin. I thought his last name was Martin. I could be wrong. It doesn't matter. It's a it's a fun show. Each each one is like a case that Sherlock has or something. And I like those detective style stuff. And and so when you when you brought up movies, I I thought I'd just mention that. I thought you were gonna mention Black Mirror, where every episode oh, is not Black linked Mirror at all. I've referenced Black Mirror plenty, just on like how technology is becoming crazy futuristic, and I like. Black Mirror is the dark side of the future of technology is basically the premise of it to me. And and the idea of the show, like the reason it's named Black Mirror is when you're done watching it and you turn off whatever screen it is, it's just a black mirror facing you. It's a very fun, fun show as well, though, even though it's it's very dark. And I would definitely not suggest it for anyone under the age of 18. <laughs> yeah, there's <laughs> a lot some, of adult some... content in there. Yeah, for sure. But well, that was fun. Thanks for talking to me about uh, TV shows and telling me, I, I mean, you. I haven't watched any of the ones that you suggested, so maybe I have to get on that a little bit. I guess you got to get on it. And then uh, I haven't seen Band of Brothers or Man in the High Castle, so those are both now on my list. Awesome. All right. Well, we hope you enjoyed and and maybe uh, find a reason to watch one of these shows and uh, let us know if you do. Thanks. Bye-bye. We ask you to follow us on Instagram at brace.22. Paul's Twitter is at Paul from Brace. And be sure to email us at brace22 at protonmail.com. Please leave us a five-star review wherever you are listening and send to a friend if you found value in this discussion. Thanks. We appreciate it.